Hello, this is Tim Lorenzini, and this is My Life Wildlife. My job title is Supervisory Park Ranger, and I oversee the public use program at Tetlin National Wildlife Refuge. Tetlin is, it is in the interior of Alaska, and it is on the north edge of the Alaska Range. It is part of the largest protected contiguous landscape on Earth. It is the traditional homeland of the Upper Tanana people who still live in this area, use the refuge for cultural and subsistence uses. It is the headwaters of the Tanana River. There's two large glaciers that come from Wrangell, St. Elias and flow north into the refuge that form the Tanana River, which is the largest tributary to the Yukon River. There's diverse types of wetlands throughout the refuge, so it draws different species of waterfowl for, for migration and nesting. We have up to four caribou herds that will be on the refuge at different times of the year, including at moments, not frequently, but there's the only true woodland caribou that live in Alaska is actually in Anilka that this refuge is designated to work on the management with. They spend most of their time on the National Preserve south of here in the park south here and Canada. It's the Shoshana caribou herd. Uh, but we also have the Nelchina, Mentasta, and occasionally 40-mile caribou that come here. So it's a it's a migratory and wintering area for, the, for some of those caribou. There's a few routes of the ways that birds get out of the state. And one of the reasons it's hard for transportation in and out of the state is because we have these giant mountains come all the way to the ocean. That's hard for people, but it's also hard-ish for the ducks or geese or waterfowl. Migratory birds generally. And the reason the Alaska Highway comes through here is because it is kind of the best way to get to the other side of the Rockies. And that's why they built the highway there. And that's, you know, it's been nicknamed the land of great migrations. That's in our our little video and because people used it for a long time and so did the animals and at 690-ish thousand acres which is still pretty big if you put us on a list of all the other refuges across the nation but we're only larger than Eisenbeck so I think that describes the refuge. I am not originally from Alaska I grew up in northeastern Illinois and I moved to Alaska in 2012. I I had wanted to move to Alaska from a fairly young age, and I uh, accepted a teaching job in Galena, which is on the Yukon River, and packed all my stuff up and and, and drove up. And that's and I haven't left yet. I had this good job and teaching job in Illinois, and you know, with all my friends and family kind of nearby, and. I was like looking to buy houses and just kind of gave up on that idea that I was going to go to Alaska one day. And a friend of mine who lived in Missouri was having a, his 30th birthday party. And he asked me that night, hey, w when are you going to move to Alaska? Because you've always been saying you're going to do that. And I said, well, it's probably not going to happen. You know, I got, I got this job and, you know, it's pretty good. And I tried, but no one wanted me. And, you know, it's, it's gone. And he looked at me and he said, no, man, you're going. You're, you're going to go to Alaska. I can't go, so you got to go. And I kind of laughed it off, but as I drove, it was about a six, eight-hour drive home. And it just kept that conversation, kept going through my head. So I 
went on to this website that has teaching jobs. I searched my criteria and uh, there was one job left in Alaska. This was April. And I got all these rejections when I had applied to all these jobs. And I applied to the one last job, figured, well, what, what the heck, you know? And after school one day, I was actually out trolling on Lake Michigan and I get a call from the school district and they want to interview me right then and there. And I said, well, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm actually in a boat right now fishing. And they ended up hiring me. I quit my really good teaching job in Illinois at a great school that I, I really liked teaching at and put all my worldly possessions into my truck. I had a Lund uh, boat, put some stuff into that, put my dog, my black lab in there and made the, the exodus and figured it out from there. I was teaching in Galena and I, I loved, loved that town. I loved that area. And there's a refuge headquartered there in Galena. And I had a decent knowledge for your average citizen what the Fish and Wildlife Service was because I duck hunted. So I duck stamps and wildlife refuges, you know, and, and things of that nature. But just through similar interests and senses of humor, I became friends with a lot of the folks that, that worked at that office there. And uh, one summer to supplement my you know, teacher income, I'd usually get a job in the summer. And, and I took a job actually with Tanana Chiefs, but was working as a fish tech for a project on the Kayakook River, Kayakook National Wildlife Refuge. And spent the whole summer camping on a sandbar uh, catching salmon, tagging them, uh, running boats and sleeping in a tent and catching fish in my off time and cooking shore lunch and all that stuff. And I enjoyed it. I went to the refuge manager, went to his office and I said, well, how do I get a job with you guys? This is what I want to do. He's like, well, it's kind of tough and can take a long time. But he said, there's, there's one field that you'd qualify for and that's this education specialist thing. And right up your alley. I think you'd be pretty good at it. And so I did some research and all that and applied for a few of them and, and ended up becoming the environmental education specialist here in Antoke at, at Tetlin National Wildlife Refuge. I've since been promoted to supervising that position. I'm still often working with young people. I work with teachers a lot and administrators and it, it's so varied. And I think that's what I like what I prefer it over the teaching where it can become repetitive. Here, I, it, you know, it depends on the time of year and then who called me or who showed up at the front door. And especially where we're at, we have the Canada border here. So we have folks that come in and need import export permits and just interfacing with the public needs and wildlife resources and then the public use. So whether that's a cabin or someone who wants to go on a canoe trip or they want to go a lot of outreach development, so newsletters or just communicating. I, I, I've tried to explain it to other people and there's times that I'm, I'm flying a moose survey, which is outside of my position description. I mean, I take out the trash sometimes, you know, it's uh, the campgrounds or there's a bear with a coffee can stuck on its head. And so I gotta call the state and see if they got any of the drugs to put the bear so they can get the can off the bear head. And just, it's just different every day. It's usually the fun part of the job is, is uh, 
helping people have it's usually they're recreating or or uh, it's subsistence related and and it's something that they enjoy doing and that's rewarding especially as an environmental educator in pre-covid times i i intentionally spend quite a bit of time outside of this office and, and going to the schools but also uh to some community events and i found getting along with people in this area to be fairly easy because we're kind of interested in the same stuff right so like if you want to talk about hunting and fishing like if you wanted this to go on the rest of the day get me started on that right so we have similar interests and i just ask them how i can i don't know what like again it's kind of going back to helping people so if it's easier for me to go to northway and issue permits in northway well then i go spend the day and then i hear some people say like well i have to work and you're only here at this time so okay well i'll stay later and i'll just stay in a central place in the community till nine o'clock at night issuing permits because some people they're, they have schedules, they have lives, and they, they don't have to drive 60 miles to Toke to get the permit so they can hunt, you know, a few miles from their house. You know, even when there's times when there might be a disagreement on what the refuge is or is not doing, because I they know I'm, I, I mean well and I, I, I'm just a good neighbor, you know, and, and yeah, it's, it's I, don't, I don't know how to explain it, like this, we get along good this happens just about just about to everyone i think that moves up here when it comes to distribution and densities of fish and wildlife you think alaska and you're pushing the animals out of your way and the, the rivers are full of fish and then it's this bountiful land and it, and it is a bountiful land but it's it's also a very hard place and it means it's hard for things to to make it here and there was like a, just a realization that it, there's there's these certain areas and these special little places where suddenly there's this massive bounty but that might be separated by miles and miles of less bounty when i would take a, a snow machine and you're going hundreds and hundreds of miles and you can go days and you don't see an animal there's some there and you're surely passing them by but it's not it just, it's a tough place, right? And then all of a sudden you'll run in and boom, there's 250 caribou. You know, whoa, you know, where'd they come from? You know, and they kind of just come out of the ground sometimes, I think, I don't know, but. I always get drawn back to the Yukon River. It's big, uh, it's wild, it's got a, you say the name and people know what it is. Uh, if you say a lot of other names around the state, most of them people don't know, and it's something I've, I've known, I don't know when I learned it, probably in a, a book or something as a child, but it's got that history. And for someone who likes boats, it's only open water for about four months, but it's, it's a highway and, and it, it can lead you to a million places and to do whatever you could, whatever you could imagine in the interior of Alaska, at least. There's certain places I've found it to be incredibly intimidating. Uh, the Copper River, but you look at it and go, mm, I'll probably stay out of that. Uh, I kind of treat it like lava, I don't touch it. You know, sometimes up in the mountains, I'm, I'm, that's one of the reasons I like rivers. They're it's like flat and muddy and I'm, it's kind of my comfort zone is in the mud and in the trees. And when I'm up in 
alpine places on on cliffs, especially on the coast, like uh, Prince William Sound. There's been times where the weather, where I've gone, like this is a different scenario. But those are very like minute, where I kind of knew I was getting to the edge of my comfort zone, and suddenly it's snowing, and you're on a side of a, a steeper than a guy from Illinois is comfortable with mountainside. But I've been out in 40 below, right? But I have a tent with a, with a wood stove, and so I'm warm, and I have a sleeping bag that's suited for that. And so it's, it's fine. You can do crazy adventures in Alaska if you want to. Some people would consider what I do in that realm. I don't, and it's not, you're not going to the moon. It's, di- it's different and, and you'll have to learn some new things and figure things out, but it's, uh, it's just like any other place. It's just got its own thing. It's just Alaska. You can never see it all. This has been My Life Wildlife, a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Region, Office of External Affairs. Producers Lisa Hupp and Chris Pacheco. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Race Car. Produced and story edited by Charlotte Moore Lambert. Audio editing, sound design, and original music by Garrett Tiedemann. Production manager, Gabriella Montekin. Artwork by Michelle Lawson. In Alaska, the employees of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service are shared stewards of world-renowned natural resources and our nation's last true wild places. The lands and waters of this place we call home nourish a vast and unique array of fish, wildlife, and people. Our hope is that each generation has the opportunity to live with, live from, discover, and enjoy the wildness of this awe-inspiring land and the people who love and depend on it.